Hello, beautiful. I'm your host and mindset coach, Samantha Roberto, and I want to thank you for joining this conversation. We are a space of women empowering women, and each week we feature an empowered woman's vulnerable story because we believe it's important to have these conversations so that we can learn and grow from one another. So subscribe to get your weekly dose of inspiration. And if you love our show, make sure that you share it with your besties. Sharing is caring and it will help get our good word out. Anyways, you guys, I am super excited about this week's episode. I've got a dear friend um, here today who's going to share, oh my gosh, there's so many good, amazing health tips coming your way. (laughs) You just wait. But before we jump into the details of this week's episode, I have a little thank you gift that I would love to offer you. All you have to do is go to my website and you are going to get my free seven-day method to teach you how to feel more clear and confident in your purpose. I get DMs all of the time. I think like one of the biggest questions people ask me is like, Sam, you are thriving in your purpose. I love what you're doing. I love following your journey. And if I was to be honest, there's something in my life that just feels like it's missing, but I don't know what it is. I just don't know if I'm, you know, fully living aligned with my true passion and purpose. And people tell me all the time that it's like, how do you find what it is you're passionate about? So this is actually a topic that I'm super passionate about. And, you know, for those of you guys who have listened to my journey and my evolving story, it wasn't always this way. I transitioned from a career that from the outside checked all of the boxes. You know, I was basically doing everything that society would want you to do, but there was something within me that was missing. And, you know, looking back five years ago, I had the courage to take that leap of faith and trust the unknown that there was more out there. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, it was was quite the journey, but looking back, it was such a fulfilling one. And I am so freaking grateful that I took that leap of faith. So for anybody who feels that they might not be fully living their passion either, I went ahead and put together that resource just for you to help you tune in and get clarity on what it is that you you know really want to do and set up some supportive rituals in your life that are going to help give you that direction in your purpose. So definitely go to samantharoberto.com, go claim your free gift, and I cannot wait to hear how your next seven days go with that little challenge that I have for you. Anyways, on to this week's episode. I'm super excited. I've got my girlfriend, Cherie Beaumont here, who was actually in Mastermind that I was in a year ago. Cherie and I, you know, luckily met, we haven't met in person yet, but we met through a Mastermind container and I always openly share how I'm constantly constantly, 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 either in a coaching program, a one-to-one coaching program, a group coaching program, a mastermind container, some sort of training. Like I fully 
believe in investing in yourself. And one of the things that I love the most about these group containers and masterminds is that you get to meet such incredible women along the way. So Cherie and I crossed paths uh, last year. And since then, every other week we jump on a call, we've stayed very, very close and we sort of help and coach each other throughout this entrepreneurial journey. So Cherie is a holistic nutritionist, a wellness coach, and a hormone expert. She empowers ambitious women to reclaim their radiance by breaking free of diets, PMS, burnout, and hormonal imbalances. So I remember back in January when I did my gut microbiome test and, you know, prior to that, I thought I was, you know, quite healthy. Like I thought overall, you know, I eat healthy, I exercise sometimes, I feel okay, I drink water. Yeah, I take multivitamins and like fish oil pills. But when I got my results back, I was shocked at how poor health my gut was in. So I immediately went to Cherie because we were in that mastermind together and I was like, you need to look at my results. I need help. And she helped me realize that I probably had leaky gut and essentially looked through all of the foods I was eating and really helped me sort of get my health back in line. And to be honest, prior to that, I really had no clue about anything with gut health. And gut health is so freaking important, you guys. We're going to get more into it in this episode, but that was just sort of my personal experience. And when I had that awareness to what was actually going on, I was able to make changes that, you know, helped me immensely in and spilled over in terms of energy, in terms of how I felt, in terms of, you know, digestion. It was actually a huge game changer for me. So Cherie and I talk about, you know, diets. She shares her personal story of basically being on every diet under the sun and trying all different diets and how she ended up you know, going towards holistic health. We talk about hormone health. We talk about stress management and we talk about poop. (laughs) So we talk about bowel movements and the importance, we actually go really deep into this, but the importance of monitoring what is actually going on in the bathroom. So it's not really the sexiest topic, but it is an important topic. And I love that Sheree and I just sort of stuck with it and went there because you know what? It really brings a lot of, you know, that awareness piece having the awareness of what's actually happening to your body to the forefront. Um, It almost reminds me, I was talking to a girlfriend last year who was having some health issues. And when she finally went to the doctor to go get it checked out, it turned out she had a cyst the size of I'm going to say this wrong. I'm going to say a football, but I think it was even bigger. It was my friend Glow, and we actually did an episode over a year ago. I think it was episode eight together where she shares her personal story with this, but she had no clue that there was this football-sized cyst inside of her. And, you know, it makes me think, and it reminds me of the awareness piece of our body, like often there are signs. And in retrospect for glow, you know, the signs were there, but we just get so used to them that we become unaware that anything's really off. So the reason why I'm bringing that up is because Cherie is really going to highlight some of the signs that, you know, you might be struggling with, or that might be there for you that you may just be accepting as normal, but that aren't normal. 
Anyways, you guys, you are going to love today's episode. So on that note, let's get to it. And actually, before we jump in, if anything in this episode resonates with you, if anything sort of raises a yellow flag or a red flag and you're like, huh, that resonates or that sounds familiar, there's something off there, do yourself a favor and look into it. Go get yourself checked out. Reach out to Cherie. Be curious. Like it doesn't hurt to be curious, especially about your own body. I mean, your health is the most important thing that you have. So on that note, let's jump into it. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. You are one of my coaching buddies. We touch base like on a biweekly basis and I love it. Yes, it's always so great to connect with you. And that's such a pleasure to be here. (laughs) So Cherie, I would love to hear your health journey. I always feel like when people get into purposeful career, there's always a reason why or something that was sort of a catalyst that got them there. Um, I'd love for you to share that story. To be honest with you, it probably starts from when I was about 22 months old. So I didn't really realize this until I got into the career that I'm in, that that was probably the pivotal point of my journey. Um, I was diagnosed with celiac disease at that age. So for those of you that don't know, celiac disease is when you are, I guess, severely intolerant to gluten, um, and it can end up being a life-threatening condition if you have it. It's an autoimmune condition, essentially. And so I've spent my whole life on a diet of some sort, constantly having to avoid gluten. And I've been conscious of my health. I've been very aware of the food I was putting into my body ever since I can remember, because there was always my mom in my head or right there telling me, don't have that, have that. And it wasn't from a, you know, watching your weight perspective. It was from this is for your health. However, I do think that this constant feeling of restriction, this constant feeling of being on a diet actually could have triggered what then became an eating disorder way later in life. So I started studying nutrition and I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, But I started to learn about the calorie equation, you know, calories in, calories out, and that's how you shift weight. That's the only way that we know that works, right? And so I started playing around with my own body and I became very obsessive with food. Um, I was also at this stage on the hormonal contraceptive pill and I had taken a bucket load of antibiotics when I was little. And so through this journey and into the point where I kind of hit the high, I guess, of my eating disorder, I had become so, so restrictive. I had become so obsessive and what ended up happening was I pretty much just burnt out. And I see this so common in females and entrepreneurs and not just having had an eating disorder, but if they've been on a, on a hormonal contraceptive, if they've been on a restrictive diet or a diet mentality and their bodies just get to the point where they're so, so stressed that we end up, yeah, we just end up completely burning out and on the floor. And so that was the turning point for me was when I realized that I can't keep going like this. My body can't handle this anymore. I was the biggest I'd ever been and I didn't know why. I was eating less and less and less and it didn't seem to make sense that I wasn't seeing the results I wanted to see. So it was from that point that my healing journey really started. Interesting. So what did the burnout look like for you? Like you got to this point where you were just super tired, low energy. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it's commonly termed adrenal fatigue. It's very debated in 
the industry, whether that's a correct term to use. So I, I prefer the term burnout just to be politically correct, I suppose. But yes, it was a struggle to get up in the morning. I would actually have a cup of coffee first thing when I woke up. I would then be at work at about 4.30 in the morning. Um, and then I would drive into uni. I'd have another coffee or an energy drink. And then I would be at uni and I'd have another form of energy drink. And then I'd be coming home and I'd be so tired. I'd be sipping on another coffee or energy drink. I was literally hitting like four to five cups of coffee or energy drinks a day just to keep me going because I had so much on my plate and... I didn't realize that that was actually what was doing the damage more than anything else. So how did you figure it out? So you reached that point where you, you know, your burnout Mm -hmm. and then you were on your healing journey. What did your healing journey look like? How did you put the pieces together? So I, I kind of just had enough and I went, actually went to a seminar, um, which was really interesting. And they started talking about all of the symptoms that I was having. So shortly after that, I reached out to, um, one of the clinicians at the company and just wanted to learn more because the unit that I'd been to and the knowledge that I was learning about nutrition never covered any of this. And so I was really curious to to fix myself and she definitely helped and supported me and has become my mentor to this day on how to overcome, you know, fatigue. And she pointed, she was one that pointed out to me the damage that the hormonal contraceptive had been doing and playing its part along the way as well. It wasn't just the lack of food that was coming in. It wasn't just the excess amount of caffeine, but there was actually a medication that was going into my body every single day doing its damage. Wow. Okay. So did she, did you at that point walk away from the pill? Cause I know a lot of people who've been on the pill who are at the point where they haven't taken it for a little while, but does that like damage of say being on the pill for a decade, 10, 15 years, does that stick with you afterwards? Definitely. So I'd been on the pill for 10 years and truly the first session we had, and she explained to me everything that it has the potential to do. And again, this is, you know, everyone is going to be affected differently, but all the different things that it can cause and can result in, it was enough for me to, I literally stopped taking it that day. <laughs> I went home, told my partner, I was like, I'm off, I'm done. This is, I'm sorry, but this is going to have to change because my body and my health comes first. And so, you know, what a lot of females don't realize is the impact that this can have, like you say, on the long-term health if you don't do the healing work. So some people are fine. Some people come off the pill and end up being able to fall pregnant or if that's a goal, you know, or they don't have their weight affected and that sort of thing. But the chances are that they've managed the other areas of their life really well or they just, for someone like myself, I have an autoimmune condition. My body was more likely to be affected by it. However, it is something that I see so much with clients and in clinic and just working with beautiful females is the struggle now to get pregnant. And I'm not saying the pill or the hormonal contraceptives are a direct cause, but the fact that the number of people that are having the hormonal contraceptive of some sort and then actually struggling to get pregnant, there's too much of a linkage there for me not to think that there's something to do with it. Well, it's interesting because I find with a lot of medications and like, this is just, you know, my, my thought, not at all like, you know, doctor, but so many medications, like you take it, but then if you actually look at the symptoms and like the things that they can cause, like there's always such a big list and it's like, you never really think or like, look at that seriously. It's just, oh, I'm going to take this to help me with X, Y, Z. But like, there's all these other things that could come from this, you know, one pill. Oh, exactly. I was on it actually from the age of 13 for my skin. It wasn't even a contraceptive method for me for quite a while after that. But I think we do. We just look at, okay, well, it fixes the symptoms. I look at the pill 
if we're talking specifically about the pill, I look at that as a band-aid. It kind of masks things, but it's not actually getting to the root of the cause. Like if you're someone that's struggling with hormonal imbalances, like irregular periods, um, breakouts, cramps, if you are really low energy, there's all these symptoms that can be going on that if we just give the pill to regulate your period or to get rid of those cramps or to stop the heavy bleeding, we're not addressing what's actually going on in the body. Your body is incredible. It's so, so intelligent. And it's trying to tell you that there's an imbalance, that there's something off right now. And just to put a Band-Aid on top of it and be like, that's fine. I'll deal with that later. We don't realize quite what we're doing during that process. Totally. I couldn't agree more. So what would you say for somebody who's listening? And um, like, where do you even start? Because I feel like often, especially when it comes to health, it's like we're so used to feeling miserable. It's just like you don't even know whether or not there's anything off. <laughs> that is so, so true. And I I see that all the time with clients is they just didn't know I could feel this good. You know, like even bloating and symptoms like that or reflux or gas and all of that sort of thing. The things that we've just come to accept. And it's like, actually, if you're at your optimal health and you're at peak state, none of those symptoms even come about. You're not even going to feel like you're tired in the morning. And a lot of people don't realize that that's, that's even a thing. So in terms of where to start, are you talking about coming off the hormonal contraceptive or, or just in general? I think, I think just, I think generally speaking, like what are some things when you work with clients where you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, here's an assessment or here's something you can do to have awareness to what some of the symptoms may be? Because when you're just so used to feeling like crap, like I just said, you're used to feeling miserable. You don't even know how to look or how to like really scale things. So is there anything you can suggest for the people listening just to like ways to observe or like maybe track how you feel? Or I don't know. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest to do? I really just say to people, start to pay attention to your energy firstly. Um, because if you are someone that wakes up tired in the morning, know that that's not normal. It's common, but it's not normal. That's probably my favorite saying because we do just accept these common things because everyone experiences them. If you aren't waking up tired in the morning and you start to notice that your energy has peaks and troughs during the day, then we start to look at that. And one really key indicator of our health, as much as it's not the most beautiful topic to be talking about, is your bowel movements. So I will always get a client to fill in a bowel movement tracker before they even come in to see me because that gives me a full indication of what's going on. And if I pair that alongside a food diary, I can start to see if maybe why some of the symptoms they have are appearing. So Starting from your energy, looking at your bowel movements because it gives us an indication of your gut. And you know, one of my favorite quotes by Hippocrates is that all disease begins in the gut. So if we can start to treat and heal in there, then we're going to start to see this radiant energy come through, this feeling better, no more bloating, no more fatigue, no more imbalances of the hormones, your liver's healthy. It's just like a roll-on effect. Totally. You know, it's really funny. And I remember we were talking about this earlier this year, back in January. So I did the Viome test, which Mm -hmm. is a gut intelligence microbiome test. I don't even really understand it. Like I just kind of do these things. I go with them, I get information and then I go to the people like you who can help me. And, um, I thought overall I was healthy. I've been heard a lot about checking your gut health and doing, you know, just being aware. And, and Simon actually got me for, I think it was, of my birthday gift or something. He got me this test. I'm like, perfect. I want to do it. I'm curious. So it was really actually kind of gross because you had to do like, you know, a sample of your stool, which was yeah. really <laughs> nasty. But I mean, you do what you got to do. You go yeah. through the discomfort to get the information. 
I sent it in. And like four weeks later, I got my results back and I basically failed. And I remember calling you and being like, Cherie, (laughs) I failed. Like, I don't know what's going on. But then the minute that I got that information, all of a sudden, I became aware of this burning sensation in my stomach. And I'm like, wow, I was never aware of this burning. And now I'm realizing like, it's just always there. Yeah. It's crazy. And I think, you know, if, if you are noticing these symptoms or you are curious, something like the Viome test can be amazing. I always think that, you know, if we can start to heal naturally without even the need for testing, that can be awesome. But if you're just curious, then it's definitely an awesome route to go down. But I think that's the key. And you see that so often when you start to just make tiny shifts in people's diets to treat the inflammation or treat the real underlying issue. And then suddenly, for example, if I was to say, you know, remove something like gluten, which tends to be a big inflammation driver in people. And then they said they have it. They typically notice they're like, wow, I feel heavy. I feel my stomach got cramps. I was really tired after that meal. And they're like, is this how I was feeling beforehand, before introducing more whole foods, before remove it? And it's just like you start to see these light bulbs go off in, in people's heads because we don't know what it's like to feel optimal right now. And it's trying to get us back to that state, but we don't even know the pain that we're in. Hmm. Totally. So essentially like what you do is you sort of like strip it down and then little by little, depending on the client, depending on how they feel, you layer things back in. Yeah, definitely. And we start to understand again, what the main driver was. Typically it comes down to the gut and a lot of people with the amount of stress that we have in today's world. And especially with the stress going on this year, you're seeing more and more gut issues come out. And there's a thing called leaky gut. So that's a term that's quite often thrown around. And um, I know that that was something that came back with you as well. And this is typically like what happens is we have the gut wall and the gut wall starts to separate under stress, which allows little proteins to fall through and into the bloodstream. And from this, our body then tags those little proteins as a pathogen or something like a virus or bacteria. And it's actually a food that's, you know, it might be a peanut. (laughs) It might be a protein from the rice, like some sort of little protein. And then our body starts to cause immune response to that protein. So every time you ingest that, whether it's rice or peanuts or whatever it is, then your body can go into a state of inflammation. And this isn't saying that it's an allergy. This has just become an intolerance. And from that our bodies start to respond negatively to. And, you know, it can be a healthy food. A lot of people are like, but what? Why is rice doing this? It's like, yeah, brown rice is great for you. But maybe right now, while your body's under this much stress, it's not a food that agrees with you. And you may find that, you know, even when your gut heals, it's maybe one of those things that you only have in smaller doses than you used to. Well, I remember like when I got my results back and you looked at my biome results, there was a lot of healthy foods on it. Mm. And like one of them was like cauliflower and all of the healthy foods were like healthy foods I was eating often. Yes. And my partner and I, we joke about it because like at that point we were both in the grind. Like 2020 has been very much like in the trenches of business building and like long days at home. And we, so we'd always have like these really quick California pizzas. What are they? The cauliflower rice pizza. They're the best ones in Cali. Like for anything that I miss in California in terms of food, I miss those pizzas because I couldn't get them back home in Thunder Bay. And I'm like, oh my God. And when it came back that I was allergic or I guess that like mm-hmm. you said, intolerant to cauliflower, yes. I was like, oh, I can't have these anymore. So when we had our session and you're like, no, this is probably indicating that you have leaky gut. And I mean, it all made sense. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I was able to sort of correct, modify, and then work on healing my gut health. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, 100%. It makes such a difference if you go in and do the healing work. It's not to say that these foods are a no-go for the rest of your life. And, you know, there are so many beautiful properties to things like cauliflower and and rice and, and all of those things that people tend to come back with higher intolerances to. But it's just that those are aggravating your gut right now. And it is because you have had them so repeatedly while your gut was under that amount of stress that the body's just inflamed from it. So if we treat the inflammation, we heal the gut, then we can look at reintroducing those. And it's just then from there working out what sort of dosage you can handle until you're 100% better. And, and there are going to be some foods that may not ever, you know, become right 100% because you, you know, there is a little bit of damage there that we may not be able to undo. So if there were um, three overall, like your top three health tips that you would recommend that you would say Mm -hmm. like, these are just really, really good for you. It's something to consider. What would your top three tips be? My first one may come as a surprise to like most people, but it's to diaphragmatically breathe. Mm. So yeah, with breath, breath is everything in my opinion, because it takes diaphragmatically breathing takes you from being in your sympathetic state, which is your stress response, your high cortisol level, which is your stress hormone, your fight or flight, excess adrenaline is being produced into this parasympathetic nervous system, which is where we rest and digest. And so considering we live in this high stress environment, like I said, stress is the biggest impact on the gut, causing that leaky gut. If we can turn our system from sympathetic to parasympathetic in just a matter of five deep breaths, you're going to be resetting your body continuously and getting it out of that stress state, which means that you're going to be regulating your hormones better, which means that your gut is not going to be as inflamed. And so you can start to see that there's this beautiful knock-on effect simply by the action of just breathing. So when you say diaphragmatic breath, can you Mm -hmm. explain that for people who (laughs) don't understand? They're like, what is that? Aren't I breathing all the time? Yes, we are breathing all the time, but you'll probably notice and, you know, even do it now as you're listening to the podcast, taking a breath and notice if you breathe into your chest or if you breathe into your belly. And a lot of the times we're breathing into our chest and this shallow breathing is restricting us from diaphragmatically breathing, diaphragmatically breathing and belly breathing are the same thing. So you want to actually inhale and feel your belly inflate, pushing the belly button out. And then as you exhale, you want to be bringing that belly button in and exhaling from the mouth and so, or through the nose, either or. But essentially, if you're breathing short and sharp breaths into the chest, you're actually communicating to the body that you're under stress. And so if you're constantly breathing like that, you're constantly communicating this high cortisol needs to be produced. And so what I'll quite often say is because it's activating our rest and digest system, the perfect time to do this diaphragmatic breath until it becomes an actual subconscious action is first thing in the morning, last thing at night, because you want to start your day calm. You want to be able to go to sleep a lot easier and also before a meal because it optimizes your digestive health. Typically what happens when we're in our sympathetic state is that most of our blood is actually moved away from our internal organs and into our extremities, like our limbs, our arms and legs. And so when we reset the nervous system and we go back to diaphragmatic breathing, it means that more blood is in our digestive tract to actually allow us to digest our food. So that's even going to help assist the gut health as well. Definitely. So breathing, number one, Mm -hmm. what would be tip number two? 
Again, these sound so basic and people listening can be like, what? <laughs> but chewing your food is just essential. We, again, it come from that place of like, must eat quickly and like always in a rush. I, that's what I see most often. And then we get bloating, we get gas, we get reflux, we get all of these things going on. And typically if you've had those breaths beforehand, you're going to slow down when you eat your food anyway. But how you eat your food is just about as important as what you're eating. So whilst I advocate for a whole foods diet and really listening to your body, if you're not chewing the food and being very conscious about how you're eating it, you're going to run into a lot of digestive issues as well. So not to give TMI right mm. now, but a good way, <laughs> a good tip if you ever do, if you've ever had a colonic before, yeah. um, the, the person who's doing it, like they will always tell you like, Oh, so you, you know, do you really chew your food or they'll know like what you've had for dinner, like yesterday or the day before? It's kind of a gross process. Yes. But for me, it's like that experience. Obviously, I've gone for clonics, but, um, that experience was just, oh my gosh, I really need to like that brought it straight to my face. Mm-hmm. Like you need to chew your food. <laughs> yeah. So that's like coming back to that whole looking at your bowels as a sign of your health. And you can, as much as it's not the most like pleasant topic to talk about, you can look at your bowel movements, you know, every time you go, like you can even look if they sink if they float there's so much indicating going on within your bowel but if you're seeing undigested food yes that's definitely a sign you need to chew or maybe you're not producing enough of the digestive enzymes to actually break that food down but start with chewing and a really simple tip to do that in between is to like make sure you're putting your fork down in between bites you know it's something as simple as that because we tend to preload and like ready to shovel in the next mouthful before we've even swallowed the first one so taking your time in between yeah Okay, so this is kind of like, this is kind of gross, but we never talk about bowel movements. We never talk we about that here. <laughs> so we're going to talk about it here. You're bringing yes. it up. I brought it up. So can you explain what a healthy bowel movement or what a healthy stool should look like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Typically, you're wanting it to sink. Okay. You're wanting it to be, yep. If it's floating, it's generally an indication that there are undigested fats. So it's floating at the top. You know how oil floats above water? Same sort of thing. Um, okay. Then if we're looking, at, yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't want to be seeing it. any undigested food in there. Also wants to be easily passed and quite smooth. We typically should be going um, about 30 centimeters a day, whether that's one, two or three times a day, but no more. If there's more than that, then the body's moving things too quickly. And then essentially just, yeah, smooth, um, solid formation. And then in color, in terms of color, more of like just that I guess brown. If it's more yellow, then we're looking at the liver. If it's more gray, then there are other things going on. And if it's red, then there could be some intestinal bleeding. Wow. Okay. Good mm. to know. Honestly, I just learned so much from that. It really <laughs> isn't a topic. It's not the most like, we don't talk it's about it. It's very taboo to talk about poo. <laughs> it's taboo to talk about poo, but not here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a big passion of mine, as, as gross as that sounds. <laughs> but you know what? If you think about it, honestly, it's like we're human. Everybody mm-hmm. goes to the bathroom from the day you're born to the day you die. It's like we have no problem changing baby's diapers. But as we get older, it becomes this thing you don't talk about or this thing that you're embarrassed of or this thing that's like taboo, essentially. But mm-hmm. why? I wonder why. It's very much like the whole concept around periods as well. It's just like, oh, we don't talk about that. And especially for females, and that's what I notice, which is really, you know, it's unladylike to even go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I know females that have been so self-conscious that they will literally hold their bowel movement in until they're either home or like they won't go in a public place. Or some would used to hold it for three days because they didn't feel comfortable 
going to the bathroom. And I'm like, wow, if you're not going once a day, that's a sign that your bowels are not healthy. And then as a result, your body's not going to be healthy. Because if you think about it this way, a bowel movement is essentially the way of your body eliminating toxins. Mm-hmm. And so if you aren't moving your bowels regularly, those toxins are getting a chance to be reabsorbed into your bloodstream and back into your body. And guess where they go? They go and sit in a fat cell. So if you're struggling with like weight that you can't shift, chances are the gut's not happy and you're not actually excreting or removing those toxins from your body either. Wow. That's mm. so fascinating. It's so interesting to think about too. So, um, for anybody listening who's having mm-hmm. issues with their bowels, like what do you recommend? Like, is there something you'd recommend to a resource, an online resource, or obviously mm-hmm. they can contact you, but like anything that like standard that you would say is a good chart or good information to look deeper into this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have a bowel movement tracker if you just want to get curious about it. And I always offer, um, you know, people can just flick me through their results and I can give them, you know, a little summary and let them know where they might need to put their attention. Um, the other thing you can do just for your own personal record is um, a transit test. So again, we're going to look at your bowel movement, but you're going to have like a quarter to half a cup of corn, like corn kernels, sweet corn. Yep. And then with just, I typically say to have it with dinner and Take note of the time. So if it was at 6.30 at night, write that down and then have a look in your bowel movements for the next time it comes out. Because even though you might be going daily, like some people may have it on, say, a Saturday night and it doesn't come out till Wednesday, which tells me that your transit time is really slow. We're looking for a 12 to 24 hour window. And if you're not within mm-hmm. that 12 to 24 hour window, then there's something else going on in your gut. And that is typically when I would recommend that, you know, you do reach out to see someone or you do a bit more of further investigation. There's not a, when it comes to gut health, there isn't a one size fits all. So it's not like I'm going to say, go take the supplement and it'll fix it because I don't know what's driving that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So what would be tip number three? Both your tips have been so awesome. Okay. So <laughs> tip number three, what else you got for us, Sheree? Oh, there's so many things that I could talk about. I would say sleep. Again, you know, a lot of people think that nutrition and exercise are the be all and end all, but sleep to me is the foundation of your health. So if you aren't prioritizing a good night's sleep and getting that seven to nine hours each night, your body is going to be dramatically impacted. There is not a single like physiological process, single process in the body that is not affected by sleep. So sleep can enhance a whole lot of things, but it can also really downregulate or really affect negatively a lot of things as well. So just for example, if you are running on a lack of sleep, your body is going to be producing more cortisol typically, but it's also going to be producing one of your hunger hormones a lot more, triggering you to eat more and more and more. In fact, it's been you know, studied time over time to show that we typically eat around an extra four to 500 calories just on a day that we haven't had a good night's sleep. And whilst I don't like to focus on calories, that's just an amazing insight to see that, you know, we almost eat another whole meal just from that lack of sleep that our body's trying to make up for energetically. I always feel that if I don't get a good sleep, I'm mm-hmm. always going for snacks or I'm always going for something yes. else just because I feel like I need those boosts of energy. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, food is the easiest you know, I'm conditioned to think food is the easiest way to go get that energy, as I'm sure a lot of other people are, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like breathing, you know, doing some breath work or jumping up and down and giving yourself some movement. 
Yeah. Or don't even be, if you have the time and the space to do it, don't even be afraid to have a power nap. Like they're not for kids. <laughs> well, they're really good for your heart health. They're really good to give you a little bit of a reset instead of turning to even like, cause that's when we tend to find that caffeine becomes a real dependency as well as like, okay, well, I'll just have a cup of coffee to keep me going. It's like the fact that your energy is at this low is your body's trying to tell you something. You need to get to bed early. You need to wind down early. You need to like, what is your body trying to tell you? right now instead of reaching for that extra piece of sugary food because it's a quick hit of energy or reaching for that cup of coffee what could you do right now like you say to potentially shift that energy with breath work or with um, a nap or whatever's going to serve you in that moment that's actually going to be more nourishing to the body so a couple questions for you. What mm. is a good substitute for coffee? I do matcha. Like I love mm -hmm. matchas and I feel like that substitutes it, but I don't know. What would you suggest? Um, so matcha still has a tiny bit of caffeine in it. Um, and I'm not completely against caffeine. I personally am like hypersensitive to it. So I don't have just about any caffeine in my life. Um, I typically have cacao. So cacao's got a like the tiniest bit in it and interestingly enough so it is chocolate so a lot of people eat chocolate before bed and that can impact their sleep um but there's cacao and i normally mix that with a bit of maca which is a beautiful hormone balancing powder or maca root which yeah which is really great to kind of regulate things there um herbal teas are fantastic turmeric lattes there's so many things coming out there's mushroom lattes um, but when I say latte, they're obviously without the caffeine. Um, so yeah, finding a substitute like that that you actually enjoy and probably has some sort of medicinal benefit, like turmeric, anti-inflammatory mushrooms are great for the brain and for your immune system. So isn't mac maca good for sexual health? Oh, so great for increasing libido. Yeah, <laughs> right. I know that. I know. I know my maca. <laughs> good. So yeah, that's that's great. Because I think a lot of people don't realize the impact that caffeine can have. And like I say, it's not necessarily a no goes on, but try going without it for 30 days. Um, and I say a month to give your body a really good time to reset essentially. But if you are having caffeine consistently, you'll probably find the first week or two is absolute hell because you're having withdrawals, you're having the headaches. But after that, you're going to notice that your body can actually start to stabilize its energy on its own and you start to feel a lot less reliant on it and caffeine actually has a half-life of up to 12 hours so even if you're having it at two or three in the afternoon it's going to be affecting your quality of sleep in the evening because it's not out of your system till two or three in the morning mm. well i remember one thing you said to me when we were looking at my test back in january was uh think of a cup of coffee like a cup of cortisol. Yes. And that stuck with me. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so good. Cause every time I have my cups of coffee here and there, and honestly, mm -hmm. like I wouldn't make it, but my partner really loves his coffee. Yes. So then it's there and it's a little bit of that crutch, mm -hmm. which actually I'm sure so many other people struggle with, with having like someone in their house who might have different habits that might not serve them. But that was a really good, um, little rhyme you gave me because yes. <laughs> it actually got me to think about it. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, for those of you who are listening and don't quite understand the cortisol picture or what cortisol is, it, it is our stress hormone. And so it's there to serve us. It's not the bad guy. It is there to put us into fight or flight when we're actually in a state of, you know, life or death. But the problem with us being in stress so much that we overproduce this and that's what can lead to this, this chronic inflammation, this chronic fatigue um, that we tend to see so often in people. So having a break from coffee can really give you some insight into whether or not you need it or whether or not you are over abusing it. Because remember, it is a stimulant. It is technically a drug. <laughs> so what would you say for people who want to be healthier, but they live 
under a household where there's people all around them that are making these decisions or have these like tempting foods or things are mm-hmm. that just like make it challenging? Yeah, well, I'll first off start, start off by saying that I think willpower and motivation is absolute bullshit. If you don't mind me using that word, um, because, it. because it's such a short term thing. So a lot of the time people are like, Oh, I don't have the willpower when my partner ha- when partner gets this out or when my mom cooks this or when my flatmate does this. It's like, it's not a matter of willpower. It's not a matter of motivation. It comes back to one, what, what the reason is that you're doing this, your why behind it and the how determined you are to get better, to heal and to actually put your health first. Because if that's the reason you're doing it, if it's self-motivated, chances are you're going to stick to it rather than this idea that I have to just, you know, keep going, keep pushing, keep finding motivation. And then it becomes hard when someone does bring out those yummy snacks or that cup of coffee or whatever it might be. But the second thing I'll say around that is that it's really important to communicate. And this is, this is amazing. The amount of times I've had this conversation with clients is people just expect the other person to realize that that's not serving them. So for example, you know, someone's like, well, my partner gets out a packet of chips every evening. And I'm like, okay, well, have you spoken to them about how that's not helping you because it's in front of you. It's tempting. Like I'm not saying you're going to have this amazing power over you that's going to stop you from being able to eat that all the time. But if you actually open up the lines of communication, if your mom's cooking you meals or your flatmates cooking meals that do have things that you don't really want in them, there's no harm in saying, Hey, right now I'm looking after my health. Do you mind if we go down this path? And it's that communication that's key. And if those people aren't willing, they don't necessarily have to follow it, but you know, they're probably going to be a little bit more supportive if you talk to them about it. If they're not willing to do that, they're not people that are serving you in your life. I'm not saying they have to follow your protocol or follow your path in terms of health, but if they're not willing to help and support you on your journey, then that's not a relationship that's very healthy. (laughs) And then we start to look at the health that's going on around you and not just what you're putting inside you. Such good advice. Anyways, my dear, if anybody wants to reach out or find you, where can they do that? So I'm over on Instagram at strengthen.heal.nourish um, or my website is com. But yeah, flick me a DM. I absolutely love to connect with as many people as possible all from all over the world. So I'm always up for a conversation. If you have any questions or this kind of sparked your interest um, on anything to do with your health, especially in gut health or hormones, yeah, I'm there as a service, there as a support. Thank you so much. This is such an interesting conversation. I love where it went. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been such a pleasure. That was today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Definitely go check out Cherie. All of her info is going to be in the show notes. If anything in this episode resonated, DM her, reach out to her, or, you know, at least reach out to a local practitioner or do your research online, but do not ignore the signs of you know, your body trying to communicate with you. It is so, so, so important. So on that note, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And before you go, don't forget to go claim your free gift on my webpage. The second little section there, there is a whole seven-day challenge for you to help you live more confidently and aligned in your purpose. You guys, All it takes is one step 
in a direction that could really serve you, that ultimately has the ability to change your entire life. I can't tell you the amount of times looking back in retrospect that one decision, one resource, one book, one podcast, how all of those one things that you do has the ability to completely change the direction that you go. So be somebody who takes action in consciously cultivating your life. You are in the driver's seat. The decisions that you make on a daily basis make a difference. So choose things that are going to be positive for you. I can't stress that enough. I am so freaking passionate about this topic that I actually created the whole podcast around it. So on that note, Thank you so much for tuning in and make sure if you haven't already to go subscribe because next week we have another incredible episode for you. So until then, keep being you, be beautiful.